Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Now this is the third part of the I have X thousand pounds to invest in property, what should I do mini series. And today we're going to consider how we could answer that question where X is a much smaller sum. In fact, it's of 10,000 pounds or less, could even be zero. I did in fact change my mind, if you recall, how I signed off from last week, so I decided just to keep it simple and look at one situation at a time. Yep, it's my right to do that, so forgive me if it seems like I've bounced around a bit in terms of the investment range a bit, but I guess that's the upside of determining my own content schedule. (laughs) And in my rather lame defence, I've not been that well actually over the last couple of days, so um, I hope you'll forgive me for appearing just a little bit random, even slightly eccentric in the sequencing here. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of how things are coming over to you, I've also started to uh, collect together some listener feedback on the show. Uh, So please listen in to the end to hear how you can have your say in how the Property Voice podcast goes forward. Love to have your input there, so stay tuned to find out how you uh, you can contribute. Right now though, let's take a look at some of the options we might consider with little or even no investment pot. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. As I said in the intro, we continue our theme of what to do if I have X thousand pounds to invest with property. And today we're looking at the situation where X equals 10,000 pounds or less. So our question is, if I have less than 10,000 pounds to start, what are my options? Let's just remind ourselves, there's gonna be a bit of recapping as we go through uh, today's uh, show, because there's a lot of common themes, regardless of what our starting investment fund is in how we approach this type of uh, question. So let's just remind ourselves of those three main trade-offs that we often need to make when we're considering investing in property. And these are the trade-offs between money, time, and knowledge. And if there's a deficiency in one, or possibly even two of these areas, then we have to make up for it in the other one or two instead. Having less than £10,000 available to invest in property does mean we have a deficit with regard to money. We may also have another type of gap, be it knowledge or time, or even both. Today's show considers the, the position where we have at least one of the last two to work with. In other words, we have either time or we have knowledge. In all honesty, with a deficiency in all three, it's going to be near impossible to start investing in property until that situation changes. However, in the meantime, we can make goals and plans to change that situation, can't we? And similarly, where to start? Um, To help uh, avoid sounding like a broken record too much, I'll just summarise. And uh, if you happened upon this episode before the other ones in this uh, kind of mini-series, I'd suggest that you have a listening to to those other ones to get the full picture between the, uh, sorry behind rather these headline points. So in sequence, we need to start with our purpose and goals. 
And once we have that in place, we can determine our when. When do we want to achieve what we want to achieve? The third thing to take into consideration really is the property cycle, because some things are going to be more relevant at some times than others in terms of what we do. Next, it's our own personal situation. It's our preferences, our skills and our lifestyle, lifestyle choices. Then we can start to look at our strategy once we've considered all of those points. And finally, we implement, sorry, we set our action plan and then we implement our action plan. So that's the, the sequence of events, if you like, so to keep it in some kind of order of how we go about this exercise. But in terms of the actual strategy piece, so it's actually, you know, point five on that list. Um, we've actually shared seven possible strategies when we have a reasonably sized uh, investment pot and we looked around about the 150k mark. And then we looked at another six potential strategy ideas to consider if we had something like a 20k starting pot last time out. So today, let's take a look at another six potential approaches when we have little or no investment funds in. And the first one we have to really focus in on is, is essentially building the investment pot. So as with last time, the emphasis is to try and grow the investment funds to get started sooner or to take advantage of strategies that require higher entry levels of funding, such as flips and refurbishment projects, which might not be open to us when we've got so little funds to begin with. And I mentioned many of these last time as well. So here's just a quick summary of the types of things we can do under this general heading. First thing we can do is uh, what I call the budget and save approach. Yeah, it's boring, but you know, cut back on expenses, set aside more money. It's going to help us to have more, more money to invest in property. Second of all, fundraising. It's selling uh, items of value or raising equity from existing assets, including property. Thirdly, additional income streams, say from a second job, a home business or renting out a room at home. And finally, friends and family to look to towards support. And that might not be handouts. It, it could be borrowing. It could be some sort of gain share arrangement, etc. So we'll come back to that a little bit later on, perhaps. So build the investment pot is the first uh, thing we could look at. The second thing I've labelled, it all begins at home. And as I mentioned last time, many investors started with a, a home DIY project. I've spoken before about a home being one of the most tax efficient property investments that we could make. With no capital gains tax to pay, a tax free allowance on letting a room in our home, and then lettings relief should we convert a home to a rental property, we can generate lots of tax free income and gains that we can invest into our property business. Sure, it might mean doing a little bit of DIY or moving more frequently, but it can work. A variation to selling to release the cash is, of course, to release the equity through remortgaging instead. Once again, the homeowner has the advantage with this type of lending, as often loan to values or LTVs are higher. Interest rates are often lower and sometimes permission to let can be obtained, which, you know, might be on favorable terms when compared to buy to let mortgages. And if we're fortunate enough to own our own home, then this can act as a springboard to our property investing activities. And even if we don't own our own home yet, it might be worth looking at making our first investment into our primary residence. And I use that term deliberately, which uh, I won't dwell on, but I'm sure you can look it up and figure out where I'm driving out there. So that's the second uh, approach we can take. And you might be thinking, well, it's gonna, you're not really helping me get going immediately here, Richard, are you? But uh, fear not, fear not. I think a few more strategies are going to help you get in that direction.
The third one, uh, perhaps somewhere in between, is uh, provide services to other investors. So it's a variation of the additional income streams point from, from the last, uh, last point that we've been talking, in fact, the first point that we talked about. And here we undertake property-related services on behalf of other property investors. Of course, here we, we could be providing investor services that capitalize on our time or our knowledge or even both. And some examples of these might include, for example, um, operating a lettings or property management business, undertaking project management on refurbishment or developments, helping generate leads and inquiries, or even a full-blown deal sourcing service for other investors. It could include casual services such as undertaking viewings or even cleaning, laundry, meet and greet type services for holiday rentals and short-term lets. Could be more technical services such as undertaking EPCs, PAT testing and Legionella assessments or even inventories and floor plans with just a little bit of training behind us. If we happen to be a little bit more professional or specialised uh, in terms of our background, could even be serv other services to property investors like surveys, building works and specialist trades such as gas, electrician and that kind of thing. Now I know that some of this is going to require specialist training to undertake, but you kind of get the point, is offering services. But you know, do also consider that some of these things can be operated, you know, they don't have to be full-time, they don't have to be a full-time job. It can be some things we can manage among our existing schedule. But the key aim here is threefold. It's really to look to earn a short-term income from a property-related activity. Secondly, to gain or extend experience and then to open up the opportunities in terms of potential deals and also potential partners that we could work with. So that's what I'm driving at here. Three different ways in which we can capitalize on this particular uh, theme of, of investor services. So just hold that thought though for a minute, particularly with regard to the last point of uh, opportunities and we'll probably come back to it. Getting a bit closer to uh, actual investing in property. Trust me, we are. But, um, you know, obviously we haven't got that much money, so we have to be creative. And so the fourth one is uh, similarly to what we talked about last time, the buy now, pay later option. And as with last week, another option is to look at creative financing strategies such as lease options. And if we find our own lease option deal, it'll avoid having to pay somebody else for a sourcing fee. Alternatively, if we budget on spending somewhere between, say, two or three thousand pounds to around about seven thousand pounds for most lease option deals using a sourcer, you can see, you know, how you can get maybe one, two or even three lease option deals for up to ten thousand pounds. I did cover this, this point last time out, so I'm not going to dwell, dwell on it anymore here. The fifth idea that um, I wanted to share with you today was the idea of handling other people's assets. So um, in this situation, handling property that someone else owns is a creative property strategy. And here we look at uh, generating our income by uh, taking a profit or indeed adding value or delivering a service when using an asset that we don't even own. So let, let me just illustrate by way of example, which, uh, which could include rent to rent. We talked about this last time as well, but uh, here's where we agree to rent a property from the owner and then seek to earn a higher rent, often by changing the type of rental arrangement from, say, a single let arrangement to an HMO or serviced accommodation instead, and we take a margin in between. Assisted sale. 
Now this is where we help a property owner to sell a property at a higher sales price and then take a share of the profit as our income. Lease options are mentioned already under the uh, under the separate heading above and uh, where we enter into a lease option it can allow us to secure the rights to use a property before we actually have to pay for it. And then of course it gives us time to raise money to you know, fund the deposit or pay for the property at some point in the future. And then we have sale options and this is different to a lease option because here we're trying to negotiate a purchase option from the uh, property owner along with a right of assignment. It's our intention to pass this on to somebody else, not necessarily to keep it for ourselves. And then what our job is is to find a buyer for that property and uh, take a margin on the difference between the two prices. And this margin often comes about when we add value to the uh, to the property in some way. So it could be through gaining planning permission or identifying development projects, for example. And it's more of a short-term arrangement to generate funds than, let's say, a lease option. A bit more lumpy, let's say, in terms of cash generation, maybe. Now, these strategies are time-consuming and uh, they will require some specialist knowledge in many cases to correctly execute. But they can also be a part-time or full-time job equivalent in some cases as well. So a little bit of a word of warning on that. Um, but um, if, you're, if you've got a lot of time on your hands because you're not working, then you know getting started in properties, you, know, you can look at one or, or several of these types of services to generate an income whilst you're setting aside funds to build your asset base. Of course, the, the sixth area that we, we might wish to consider, um, given that we don't have a lot of starting funds ourselves, is to team up and collaborate with other people. And if you remember, I've mentioned a couple of times now the trade-off between time, knowledge and money. And if we're short on one of these attributes, then we can try and plug this gap. So clearly in this instance, in today's uh, show, the, uh, our biggest identified gap is going to be money. However, it could also be knowledge as well which if that were the case it would leave us with a one-legged stool so to speak and if we have both time and knowledge we can uh, in, you know which which might include experience skills as well as technical knowledge and, and in indeed property education then we have something to offer to someone who is ca cash rich but uh, who might be either time and or knowledge poor it might even be the case that our time alone might be enough to persuade a potential partner to collaborate with us under the right conditions so it's really a case of just finding the right fit. I guess there could be a third option where there are three partners, one providing the money, another providing the time, and yet another the knowledge. But of course you're going to end up carving the cake in uh, three different ways by doing that. But of course any partnership arrangement needs to go beyond just these three core elements of time, money, uh, money and knowledge. But they are essential building blocks for a collaboration in property. Some other factors to consider will include personal attributes such as personal values and character. Things like respect, trust and integrity are what come to mind here. Equally, the numbers need to work all round, as does the end game for the partnership. Is it designed for a single project, a fixed period of time or an ongoing business venture, say? There are many facets of teaming up in, uh, in all businesses and that of course includes property. So how to find a suitable you know, partner or partners is likely to be your next question. And I would answer that the, the best place to find potential partners is through relationships and connections fundamentally. And this is going to include our personal circle of friends and family, business associates and, and acquaintances, 
and then a wider expanding network of people we can and may engage with uh, in ever increasing circles, such as through property events and communities, business and investment circles, and so on. It's not an easy it's not an easy thing to do though, as each party in a potential partnership will have their own needs and their personal interests to be met. It's a it's a little bit like finding a love mate. <laughs> That was the idea that came into my mind, the idea of finding a love mate. The length and quality of the relationship depends on how much thought, effort and attention is invested into it. Perhaps best to leave the love making analogy there, but I'll leave you with the thought of the difference between a one night stand and a lifelong marriage to let you draw your own conclusions of the differences that you know can exist in that regard. Not sure what's going through your mind, but I'm sure what's going through mine. Anyway, needless to say, moving on. As I mentioned last week, with an investment fund of £20,000, uh, having less than £10,000 to invest in property is not really a lot of money when looking at traditional buy-to-let, say. However, as has been illustrated, there are still some options open to us should this be the case. We'll have to pay a different kind of price, though. That price could be more time, or applying ourselves to gain or use our knowledge. Or it could simply be um, applying ourselves creatively and thinking a little bit side, you know, little sorry, a little bit outside the stereotype of a large cash deposit buy-to-let investor. Saying, and as I previously mentioned, I also started with only ten thousand pounds, and uh, I adopted a combination of many of the different items that I discussed last week and indeed this when I first started. The real trick then was to continue to grow the fund, to go again, and so having a sustainable business model cannot be stated strongly enough. So if you have a small investment pot, there are still options open to you to get started. You just have to be determined enough to uh, to really want what it is uh, you want to achieve in property, that's all. There you go then, another six alternatives that we could adopt if we had a starting investment fund of less than £10,000. Now, of course, I can't give you the panacea and a magic wand. Um, you know, no, I'm not the fairy godmother, but hopefully it's given you a few, a few ideas that you could pursue and uh, enter into if you wish uh, there. But uh, however, in true broken record style, we should always start with the end in mind. And that, of course, means our purpose and our goals. As each of the potential approaches and strategies will suit some more than it will others. And it's going to depend on our personal situation. I hope it gives plenty of ideas to uh, consider should you be asking yourself the question, what should I do if I have next to nothing to invest in property? Relatively speaking, of course, because I recognize £10,000 is, you know, it's a significant amount of money. But in terms of traditional buy-to-let, let's say, of course, relatively speaking, it's, it's not a large investment fund to start with. But this means we've now covered off uh, three possible starting investment uh, positions, if you like. We've looked at having less than £10,000, of course, today. Uh, last time out, we looked at uh, having something between ten pounds and £50,000 or thereabouts. And then a couple of weeks back, we looked at having something between uh, around about eighty pounds and £150,000. Or actually, I think it was more like up to £250,000, didn't we? So we've covered a broad spectrum. There will, of course, will be some overlap at the margins of these values. But they're, they're rough indicators, of course, the, the, the approaches and strategies that we could take. So I suggest if you're around about the margin, you might want to listen to one or two episodes and uh, pick a mix between the, the, t the approaches that are suggested, depending on your own personal preference. 
But then next time then, let's just have a little bit of fun, shall we? And let's have a look at what we could do with some larger starting investment funds, shall we? So obviously we've gone up to a quarter of a million pounds so far. So let's go bigger than that and uh, have a little bit of fun, as I mentioned. And uh, you might be that person sat around with more than a quarter of a million pounds wondering what to do with it. But uh, so next, next time out, it's especially for you. And even if you don't have that sort of money, tune in anyway, because I'm sure it'll uh, whet your appetite of, uh, of what you can aim for and expect maybe going forward. But before that, I just want to pick up on the listener survey that I mentioned and the feedback um, at the beginning of the show. Up next is your voice. It's all about you and your property world. So as I mentioned, as you probably know, the Property Voice podcast has now been running continuously for over a year now. And so I thought it'd be high time to use that milestone as an opportunity to get your feedback on the wells and betters of the show to date. And you can have your say by completing a simple questionnaire that we've put together using SurveyMonkey, which is a useful resource in its own right, incidentally. And there's a link to the survey in the show notes for today's show. Plus, some, it's going to be posted onto the Property Voice um, Facebook page and in Twitter as well. Finally, if you just want an easy life, <laughs> ping me an email right now, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and I'll whiz you straight back uh, a link so that you can just fill in the survey there and then. And this is your chance to have your say on how we go forward with this podcast. So please take a couple of minutes to help me to make the show the best I can for you. That's pretty much all I have for you today then. Uh, by all means, drop me a line, either by email or through the Facebook page, if you prefer. And um, if you'd like to discuss any aspect of the show today and what we've, we've been through, especially starting funds, that'll be, that'll be interesting. The show notes, as ever, can be found at the website, propertyvoice.net. But right now, though, I'd just like to say thank you very much for joining me on the show again today. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.